Hello friends, today we're starting a journey together exploring the concept of biblical hospitality and how God infused all of it into everything he created. And I know what you're thinking, oh no, not hospitality, he's gonna make us invite a bunch of weirdos over to our house. Okay, I'm not going to make you invite a bunch of weirdos over to your house. So we can just take a deep breath all right, it's not gonna be like that because biblical hospitality is so much deeper than that. Uh, and I do confess, when I hear the word hospitality, I do have those feelings, but that's really a resistance to entertainment, this kind of performance-based, making sure that everything is spotless and all of your kids are well-behaved and no, no, the laundry's not stuffed underneath my bed. No, that's entertainment. Hospitality is something completely different. And uh, so the English word actually comes to us from Latin. It talks about the idea there is hosting a guest or hosting a stranger. And hospitality in the Bible has this heart that's pointed towards other people, pointed towards the needs of other people. In the New Testament, it's actually showing God's love to strangers. And strangers meaning people outside of your circle could be outside of your geographic area, outside of your culture, uh, just people who you would label the other. And a couple months ago, I had this moment of, uh, of clarity when it comes to this, because a few of our friends, uh, John Dixon and Kimbriana, they came to solid ground from our sister church in Riverside called Crest. They didn't have Sunday morning gathering for, for their New Year's Eve fell, or New Year's Day fell on a Sunday. And they encouraged their church to go and visit all the other brother and sister churches here in Southern California. And we made a snap decision to host the Dixons at our house for lunch, uh, which it wasn't really that hard because they offered to bring lunch over, uh, just spur of the moment. But if you guys, you can't imagine my house on a Sunday morning. It's the end of the weekend. Uh, Pastor Marie is out early getting, uh, that's my wife, she's getting ready for sound check here. I've got my head sermoning. So leaving the house clean on a Sunday is really low on the priority list. But that Sunday, we were excited to have all their kids over. And my kids, it, it was like something took over, like this powerful force for good. Uh, and, and they were vacuuming, and I was doing the dishes, and, and they were straightening everything up, and, and not like, and it, it, there was no anxiety, it was actually fun. We were like, our friends are coming over. And what used to be this chaotic kind of area in my home, all of a the sudden there was order. <laughs> what once was dark, there's now light. And it reminded me of the Genesis creation account. And it also reminded me how grateful I am to have kids that actually helped out around the house. But hospitality is deeply connected to God's character. And when they did that, it was like the, the joy of, of uh, having somebody over, it showed a little bit of what God's character is like. And we see that. You've probably never seen this before, but it's actually all inside the creation account found in Genesis. And we're not gonna read all 31 verses today, but I do wanna highlight a few verses in this first chapter of the Bible. It's really easy to find uh, on my, in my Bible, it's page two. But starting out 
in Genesis chapter 1. Please follow along with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So there we have it. The very beginning of creation in this, uh, this account that God inspired to write down in the form of Hebrew poetry, there's a cadence to it, there's a rhythm to it, and there's a movement, something from nothing. There's order from chaos. Uh, there's now light and it used to be dark. Things are, are progressing, all getting ready for humans. God is already preparing a space for the first humans that would eventually become the space, quite literally space, and the area that you and I inhabit. So if you're taking notes, our first point is when we make space for others, we are reflecting God's character. And here in this, in this account, we see God's not tinkering around going, I wonder what I'm gonna do today. Yeah, there's purpose and intention because there's, there's an order and a progression. Uh, there's ancient commentators and, and Jewish scholars around the Middle Ages came up with this term called zimzum or zimzum if you want to have the correct pronunciation, meaning that God actually pulled back a little bit to create space for the other. And when you experience that, when someone does that for you, you actually feel like, oh my goodness, like what a gift it is. Have you ever had someone say, oh, you look tired, I'll, I'll close up shop for you, or oh, can I, that looks like a heavy load you're carrying, can I take one of your bags? That's like a micro example of what's going on here. God is, is pulling back and, and starting to perfectly create the space for humans to, to inhabit. And Genesis 1, the meaning of Genesis 1, isn't merely about how the world was created, but is, is pregnant with the meaning of why was all of this created. And in the, the verses I just read, pretty basic need that humans have is light. Like there, there was darkness and there was, there was chaos, but he creates, let there be light. I love this thought. Like God didn't need a space to inhabit. God didn't even need light. God existed before light. How amazing is it that God sees in the dark? Now that's a sermon that's going to come someday. I think that'll preach. So stay tuned for that one. But but God created all this stuff that God didn't need, but forethought of what creation will need, what, what the humans will need is already there, and that reflects God's character in the anything God creates. It's actually good. He saw that it was good. Now let's skip forward to day four, starting in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. 
God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. So here, we've already seen that God created light, spoke and said, let there be light, and then there was light. But now he's, he's inspiring this writer to say, like, this is what light is and what it does. It marks out sacred times. Light helps us count the hours, the days, the months, the years. What does light do? It, it, it gets rid of the darkness. It makes things that were unclear clear. What else does light do? In the words of Jesus, Jesus called you and me the light of the world. He's using Genesis language. So much of these scriptures from front to back go back and, and they're like hyperlinks to the first three chapters in the Bible. And Jesus is saying, like, yes, light is given to, to help us see our way, but now I've made you the light. I've made you the light of this world, this world that I love so much. So point number two, you are an instrument of light. You were called to be an instrument of light. Whether you're living like that or uh, whether you know that or not, that's part of our purpose. If, if we're following God and, and we're, 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 we're bathed in his truth, we become instruments of light. And we see darkness all around us. It's probably, it's probably an example of it on the next tab if you've got the news open or, or the next video like we can, uh, that's, that's in your queue if you're watching this on YouTube. Well, there's, there's darkness all around us and that's nothing new. You know, in fact, when Jesus began to preach, he had already uh, been baptized and he went to the desert and he was tempted and he, he starts out on his ministry in Matthew chapter four. He quotes Isaiah chapter nine and, and he says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So yeah, we are, I don't have to convince you that this world has darkness in it. There's a lot of darkness in our culture, and on our planet, and it can be very tempting to curse the darkness. That's a question like, okay, well, we, we definitely name it, but what if, when we thought about all the darkness and evil that's around us and, and twisted half-truths and then bold-faced lies, what if we thought about it a different way? What if instead of spending all of our times cursing the darkness, what if we thought about being better? What if we thought about uh, a different way that instead of blaming the dark for being so dark, we just asked a different question and said, wait a minute, why isn't the light as bright as it could be? It's a different energy there and it actually follows along with our purpose. We are supposed to be, as we're with Jesus, as we're changed by Jesus and start to do what he did, we become the light. Now, uh, picking up on this theme, Paul is writing to the Philippians in one of the most power-packed chapters in all of scriptures. And I'm gonna read uh, half of this because um, I might make you mad in about five or 10 minutes, so I need to read the whole scripture here. And, and I'm also uh, teaching right to myself here as well. So Philippians chapter two, verse 14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. 
children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. There's the darkness right there. Do we live in a warped and crooked generation? Yeah, yeah, you could probably throw a rock in any direction and hit some warped and crooked stuff. But that's interesting with, uh, with following, do everything without grumbling or arguing. It's, it's really easy to grumble at the darkness. It's really easy to argue about the darkness. And that goes all the way back to the creation account. Hey, who ate the forbidden fruit? Oh, it was this lady that you gave me. And I was like, I could eat. There's, there's, there's passing the buck and blaming. And Paul's here saying like, no, 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 no. Do everything without grumbling or arguing because you're on this journey of becoming blameless and pure as Jesus changes your heart. And then he goes on to say, the last part of this verse says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love that as just a reminder, shine like stars. And I'm not saying we go along with the darkness. I'm just saying, don't waste too much energy cursing the darkness. I think it's much more helpful for us to focus on making sure the light inside of us is as bright as it can be. It's much more efficient and much more healthy to focus on the light. Jesus, I wanna be in the light. I wanna live in his light so I can shine like a star, so you can shine like a star. That's also Genesis language that God put the, the stars in the sky to give light to the humans. God wants to, if we will surrender our lives to Jesus, to use us just like a star that was provided, to placed there to provide light in the darkness. That's God's dream that you and I together, as we follow Jesus, that, that we become the light to this world that's groping around in the darkness. We have that light that the world needs. I'm more convinced than ever that we have something that the world needs that they can't get anywhere else. You can find distraction in our culture, streaming services, whatever. You can find a way to numb out or forget your problems for a little while. But we are connected to the source that will take you through the problems. We're connected to the source, to Jesus, that can provide healing for that pain. We offer and Solid Ground offers it, and healthy local churches around the world offer something that our world cannot deliver. Now, studying this passage, I noticed that in day two, it's missing something. It doesn't say, and God saw that it was good, and it doesn't say that God said it was good. And I'm not gonna build a whole theology around that, but my personal opinion is that that he was doing things on purpose and it wasn't until he separated the, the water and, and then he created dry land on day three, that's when he said, oh, that's good. That's where the humans are going to live. This goodness is tied into hospitality, creating a space for us. Day three is good because there's a place for you and me there. There's a place for Adam and Eve there. Okay, okay, Mike, I get it, I get it. We need to make room for others. Where, where are we going with this? Okay, if that's what you're thinking, do you realize that when you show hospitality, 
when you make room for others in your life, when you, when, when you provide for the needs of someone else with God helping you, you're showing the world what God is like. Those two are intricately connected. When you go out to a restaurant and they say, how many in your party? Which, if you ever, I love that. How many are in your party? I like that word there. If there's five people in your party, you say, five people. If there's five people in your party, you don't say, there's four people and Frank over here can sit on the floor. No, you make sure that there's room for every, so even in little things like that, imagine if we did those things intentionally and thought about taking care of the needs of others. So it's way more than inviting a bunch of strange people into your house, especially for you introverts. Uh, even introverts like me, you can show hospitality because it's a mindset. It's a heart posture. Yes, a subset of that is, is welcoming people into your home, but that's not the only way you can show hospitality. If you consider solid ground your home church, um, I want to talk to you for a little bit because around here, whether you're on our online campus or you come here to our in-person services, we ask these questions regularly on different teams that staff and different volunteer teams with hospitality in mind because we want to show others, especially guests, we want to show them what God is like. We want to reflect God's heart. So we ask ourselves, what does it look like to be a guest? You know, we ask ourselves, what might confuse people? Is there anything here that says there's, there's no room for you? We're good, we're good, we've got our club, but yeah, there's, there's, there's other places for you. We're full, you know? We ask ourselves this, and we're, 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 as I'm looking through these things, I'm noticing a lot of hospitality around our church. I'm thinking of, of a group of people. I don't wanna leave anybody out, but there are some men and women in our church that, that I'm stealing a term from Charlotte Hubbard. They call themselves pew ministers. Now, if you're not from around church and you're checking this out, those are the benches that we sit on in church. For some reason, they're called pews. But before church, they look out at the pews and they see if there's anyone alone. They look out to see if there's any first-time guests or, or anyone who's new-ish to solid ground. And they go over to them and they pester them. No, I'm just kidding. They don't pester them. They just engage them. And they say, hi, how are you doing? Can I, uh, can I get you anything? Can I get you some water? Hey, how was your week? Oh my goodness, you had a hard week. Can I pray for you? I love that heart. And those conversations go, they're so natural and, and, and free and breezy. But sometimes those conversations get real, real fast. And they, they realize that, that ministry and reflecting God's heart isn't just something that happens on a stage. You know, just this, a couple weeks ago, you know, someone was praying and other people uh, it, it, during our song service, uh, someone was praying and, and, and they came forward like as a sign of surrender and, and got on their knees and, and used our, the steps on our stage like an altar. And, and some of these pew ministers came and started to lay hands on this person and pray for them, saying, there's space for you here to do that. And there's also uh, brotherhood and sisterhood around you. Like, we're, we're walking with you. I love that heart. 
I love that heart. I don't ever want that to change. I want to build a fence around that kind of attitude and that kind of posture. And I love that in contrast. I've, I've heard stories. If you've been uh, to church, you've probably heard this at some point or another where there's stories of, of a, a person coming to church for the first time and then a longtime church attender comes up and says, uh, hey, you're in my seat. That's my spot. You know, I, I don't think that happens around here and I don't want it to. But, um, and, and that's kind of funny to think about, but imagine if you were that person and you're feeling weird and awkward and I don't know all these people and I'm putting myself out there and you try to sneak in and, and you sit down and then you have someone just, hey, move over, that's my seat. No, 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 that's not the heart that we're going for. Um, I love uh, hospitality, Jesus even reflects this heart. In John chapter 14, verse two, he says, my father's house has many rooms, not mansions. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? There's many rooms, he's preparing a place for us. The place, you know, Jesus is preparing for us. Heaven, eternity. Why? Jesus continues that you also may be where I am. So we can be together. Jesus is creating space for us. Jesus makes room. When we make room for others, we're also showing people what Jesus is like. I wanna make solid ground, whether it's online or in person, a place that's good for people. People are looking for goodness. People, they may be in darkness and they don't even know it. And when someone brings them here, whether the YouTube algorithm puts this video across someone's, uh, someone's feed, I want them to experience the goodness, even in the, in the comments, that if maybe you write a comment and say, hey, have a good day, maybe someone reads that. And maybe what you say or, or an encouragement, maybe they read that and they read that like it's just for them. I want our guests to feel from the moment that they walk through our doors, the moment that they tune in, that they're not just like visitors. You ever gone to someone's house and it's so clean and so pristine, you're like, I don't wanna mess anything up. Like I want them to feel welcome and that they, they can, they've got refrigerator rights. I feel like there's so much goodness there and people need that these days. And then, Skipping all the way forward to day six, after God has finished creating everything right before God takes the Sabbath rest, he says it's very good. And I wanna spend the last moments here, point three, with a question, is how do we go from something good to something very good? You know, I was walking through, uh, trying to walk through with the first time guests just to get hyper, um, hyper-focused uh, just on, on solid ground. And we can, we can get to our homes and our neighborhoods and our offices and how we show hospitality there. But I was thinking through the lens of, of a Sunday here and I was walking from the parking lot and as I was walking down the steps, I've got a picture of the signs and it said, uh, all visitors must report to the school office. And I was thinking, how confusing must that be? To, uh, to be a first-timer at Solid Ground and think, oh, do I need to check in at that office? Well, there's no one in there. So we put something over it now instead. It says, welcome to Solid Ground, so it's not confusing. We have signs around our campus. I, I've noticed, uh, oh my goodness, 50 times in the past five years, 
I'll be in the lobby and, and, our, and our church sanctuary is kind of this interesting architecture that, that goes around in a circle around a big room. And they're like, where's the bathroom? Well, if you've been at Solid Ground long, you know where the bathrooms are. But as I look around the lobby, it's hard to tell where the bathrooms are. And someone had the foresight to not only put up a sign where the men's room is and the women's room is, but they also made it stick out a little bit so you don't have to be flat up against it because it's kind of around the corner. And I was like, that's a great heart and let's keep, that's good. Let's do very good and make the sign bigger so you can read it from further away. Now, remember the part about making you mad? I wanna poke at you a little bit, especially for those of you who, uh, who can't come uh, on this particular Sunday or maybe you're watching this a few weeks later. This is for our in-person folks. Uh, I wanna talk about our back rows. And um, I realize some of you, because our, our floor is, is kind of uh, slanted a little bit, if you can only make it to the back row, I totally get it. But there's some of us that we like the back row. And I love you, and I'm saying this with a big smile on my face, but I'm saying, what if we made room? Because we have first-time guests almost every week at Solid Ground. And a couple months ago, while I was preaching, I noticed there was a first-timer, didn't come on time, and they walked in the room, and like, uh, they were like, oh, I guess I should go in. So they're already in a new place, they didn't leave once they found out that we had already started, so they had the courage to come in the doors, and they were looking for a place to slide in, but all the back rows were full. And I was like, oh man, so he had to come all the way down to the front. I was like, oh, that, that, that so it's gotta feel so embarrassing. What if we realized, oh my goodness, our first time guests, they're already in a new, new place. They're already probably feeling some anxiety because every church has their own way of doing things. Like, and they're wondering, when do I sit? When do I stand? What if I don't know the songs? What if I receive communion in the wrong way? Do I keep the cup? Do I put it back in the receptacle? Do I take it back to the seat? And is there something there? They've already got enough to think about. I was thinking, what if, for, for those of us when we're in person, we take our friends and we just move forward two or three rows. I'm not saying you have to sit in the front row and I, and I can't spit past the front row. So I, you know, second row, you're good. And I'm, I'm not much of a spitter either. But also, what do you think it looks like when you're sitting all the way in the back? And I'm not, I'm not mad at all. I actually prefer to sit in the back and on the side so I can get a, a, a beeline out. There's absolutely zero anger or stank on this. But I was just meditating on this and praying through it through the eyes of a first timer. If they walk in and they see everyone as far back as possible, do you think that communicates what's happening in the middle of the room isn't important? I was thinking through other things in our culture, sports. You don't say, okay, I wanna to go to the big game. All right, what's the furthest away I can sit from the field? Or a, or a concert, or a theater production. No, you wanna be in that spot where you can be engaged in the action. And don't get me started on movie theaters. I'll just tell you, when I was sitting in the back of a movie theater, I definitely didn't care what was going on in the front, but that's a different sermon altogether. My heart here is just to put it on. I'm, I'm here to make you think. I'm here to make you feel guilty or other. I wanna put this on your radar. 
how can we make space for others? I know some folks at Solid Ground that actually park pretty far back in faith that someday they're gonna have to park back there because the, the church parking lot is full by the time they get there. Stuff like that, moving a couple rows forward. And by the way, it really does help me preach better when I can see your eyes and I can hear you. Um, I, I feed off of that. But that is way, way further down the list of importance. The most important thing is, what can we do to make space for others and lower that bar of discomfort so nothing gets in the way of them hearing the good news that God in heaven came to this earth and put on flesh, absorbed the penalty for all of our sins and wants to have a relationship with them. That's good news. And I think as we, as we continue doing church together, doing life together, God will take us from something that's good and, and continue cultivating the seeds that become very, very good. Because that's what the need, world needs right now. They need a people to be with. They need one place in this world that loves them and sees them, a place where they can know others and a place where they can be known by others. The world needs solid ground. I mean, that's tied up. We have the good news. We have very, very good news. So this week, whether it's online here, uh, how can you make people feel more comfortable? Why don't you start right now just by saying, if you haven't already, say hello. Glad you're here. Um, and get, get a conversation going. If it's here in person or out in this week, look for ways that you can make space for others in your heart, mind, and in your actions. All right, let me pray for you and then we'll dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you. Thank you for making space for us, that we belong. Lord Jesus, as we meditate on this, God, will you please inspire us with creative ways to make space for others and help us to reflect your love. And for every person that feels like there isn't space for them, God, I pray that you'll speak to their heart right now. Let them know that you are the God that sticks closer than a brother, that not only is there a space for them, but they are not alone. Now we pray against loneliness, against fear, against depression, and ask that, that even right now you will begin a healing work uh, in all of our hearts that correct those voices that say that we don't belong. Begin that healing work that corrects any voice that would tell us that there's not room for us. So God, we surrender those thoughts to you. And be with us this week. Help us to notice that you're there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you. Until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his heart towards you and his face towards you. And may God give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. We'll see you soon.